story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama G. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Story Time with Mama G, the podcast, hosted by myself. Mama G. Now, I'm very excited for this week's episode. I think it's probably going to be a little bit longer than usual because it's about one of my favourite subjects. No, not me. It's about pantomime, that peculiar British tradition which happens every single Christmas and increasingly at Easter, half-term holidays and the summer holidays as well. Now, I have become aware that Quite a few of my listeners are outside the UK. In fact, I've got listeners uh, from the United States, Canada, Australia, Turkey, Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, Malaysia, Philippines, Poland, Bangladesh, Hungary, Mexico, Norway, Thailand, Bulgaria, Indonesia, Japan, France, Israel, New Zealand, Sweden, India, Italy, Jordan and Taiwan. I mean, we are truly very international. If anybody can find those on the map, if anybody's been to them, let me know. I mean, I can find them on a map myself, but if you've been to them, let me know. I'd love to know what some of those countries are like. That list does feature some of my favourites. I adore Canada. I've got family in Canada, you see. Hello, if you're listening. I love Italy. I've been to Italy lots and lots. I've got very happy memories of France. I studied in America. Oh gosh, you know, Uh, lots and lots of lovely places. But pantomime, if you're from one of those places that's not the UK, it's not mime, which people often think it is. It's a retelling of fairy tales for a family audience. And it's all quite broad. There'll be a lot of innuendo, a lot of falling around, a lot of throwing of custard pies and getting hit on the head. It'll be very bright, very sparkly. It happens in the theatre as well. I should have told you that. And uh, there'll be Lots of songs, lots of glitter, lots of dancing, lots of audience participation, lots of going into the audience. There's always a big song at the end, the song sheet that everybody sings. There's uh, dames, myself. Uh, there's uh, girls who dress up as boys. They're called principal boys. There's fairies, there's baddies. There's, there's usually a horse played by two people. You know, it's, it's it's just a very, very British thing, as you can probably tell. Of course, they also happen now in countries like, well, America, Australia, they happen professionally. And because Britain has a huge expat community for various reasons, they happen in places like Malta and Spain, South America, South Africa. I mean, they happen all over the place now, but they are very, very British. And if you get a chance to come to the UK at Christmas time, I would highly recommend that you come and see a pantomime. And if you happen to be in the UK this Christmas, then do come and see Beauty and the Beast in Gravesend because I will be residing there in a slightly different guise. So, anyway, it's about time I told a story, isn't it? So this story, I've written it especially for the podcast and it is called Mama G's Great Panto Dame Off. Christmas time, something mysterious happens in the UK. A magical land appears and then disappears, as if nothing ever happened. 
It's called Pantoland. Pantoland is a wonderful place full of fairy tale creatures. Fairies, giants, village idiots, beasts, kings, heroes, princesses, and dames. And every year, when Pantoland appears, this crazy concoction of characters cause chaos wherever they go. But what do they do the rest of the year? Well, as I am an esteemed resident of Pantoland, let me tell you what happened this year. It started off very sadly. The king of Pantoland, King Crumble, suddenly found himself without a wife. It really was terrible. She died drinking milk. The cow fell on her. So, dear King Crumble set about trying to find a new wife. For a king needs a queen, and Pantoland is full of queens. He tried all the usual approaches. He tried to meet someone at Bingo, but he couldn't get in. It was a full house. He tried to meet someone at the library, but he got chucked out when he asked the librarian if she was overdue, because she had... Fine, written all over her. And he even dated a Dolly Parton impersonator. But it got complicated. You see, he was working flexible hours. But she was working nine to five. Oh, come on. You knew that was coming. He just wasn't getting anywhere with anyone. Then he had an idea. One of our favourite things to do in Pantoland is to watch reality TV. And what do we like most of all? Love Island, The Great British Bake Off, and RuPaul's Drag Race. UK, of course. And this was his idea. He would host a reality TV show to find himself a bride. And all the eligible ladies in the kingdom were invited to apply. Of course, there was one thing that King Crumble hadn't taken into account. Jill was with Jack. Cinderella was with Prince Charming. Alice Fitzwarren was with Dick Whittington, etc., 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 Almost all the ladies in his kingdom were in happy, contented relationships. So, who applied? Well, Sarah the cook, Widow Twanky, Cheryl and Beryl, Cinderella's famously mean sisters, Dame Trot, and... Moi! Basically, all the pantomime dames. Well, we're always on the hunt for a man, aren't we? The idea was simple. We'd have to do a series of tasks, and after each task, the panel of judges would decide which one of us would go home. And then, the last dame standing would be King Crumble's new wife. The first challenge was a cake challenge. We had to design a cake that represented us. I made a clementine cake. Because, well... Orange, you glad to see me? <laughs> Sarah the cook won, as you'd expect. But Dame Trot went home. She made a beefcake. Because she's a farmer and... 
That's the type of man she likes. The only problem was that Jack sells the cow every Christmas, so she had to make the cake with beans. And King Crumble developed a terrible wind problem almost immediately. <laughs> The next challenge was a dressmaking challenge. I almost won with my Ryanair dress. I call it that because it looks above board. But once it's taken off, you realise there are hidden extras. But Cheryl and Beryl triumphed with their ball gowns. Widow Twanky went home on this task. She'd created a beautiful dress to the design of an oriental vase. But the judges said it was Ming-ing. <laughs> it's not going to get much better than that, I'm afraid. The third challenge was perfect for me. Storytelling. So, of course, I won! I won with my rags-to-riches story. All about a boy who was a clown in the circus. And now... He's the American president. Heartwarming stuff, that. Sarah the cook went home this time. She tried to tell a famous Rudyard Kipling story, but got it confused with the menu from her local Indian restaurant. So she told the story of Taka Masala. It was like Tikka Masala, only a little bit otter. And then there were three. Cheryl, Beryl, and me. All vying for the hand and heart of King Crumble. Cheryl couldn't take the stress, though. It was getting too much for her. She started to cry. Being a good sister, Beryl turned to her in concern. What's wrong? she said. Are you having a cry, sis? <laughs> I told you it didn't get any better. Well, that was Cheryl out of the competition. In the end, she wasn't too upset, though. I think she was rather pleased to be able to go and terrorise Cinderella again. But Beryl and I were both close to getting the man. All we had to do now was dance for our damehood and answer a few questions. Beryl was strong competition, but I could tell she was getting nervous. Under her breath, I could hear her whisper, I'm petrified. I'm Kentucky Fried. So I leant across and took her hand. Don't be such a chicken. <laughs> but I knew I was on to a winner when they announced the song that we would be dancing to was If You're Happy and You Know It. My video of which is available to view on YouTube. Well, if RuPaul can plug things, so can I clearly won that round, but there was one more thing we had to do. Tell King Crumble why we would be a good wife. Beryl went first. It's simple, she said. You're rich, and I really know how to spend money, and you're nowhere near as fit as I am, so I'll never bother you. And I can get any bloke I want, so me picking you should make you feel good. Plus... Getting with a king would proper shame Cinderella because she's only with a prince. So, take that, you scrawny 
little servant girl. The king didn't look too impressed. That girl works her fingers to the bone for you two, he said. And what has she got to show for it? Bony fingers? <laughs> My answer was a little different. I don't care how much money you've got or what you look like. I'll accept you for you, and I trust you'll do the same for me. I offer kindness and understanding, nothing else. And I know that life can be hard. I mean, I used to be addicted to the hokey-cokey. But I've turned myself around, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> and I'm not looking for a fairy tale romance. Because they're all grim. Tension music played. It was decision time. King Crumble thought about it for a while and then said, I choose Mama G. Everyone cheered. <laughs> Except for Beryl. Cheryl ran on stage. Why aren't you crying? Nothing makes me cry, said Beryl. So... Cheryl threw a coconut in Beryl's face. And truly, Beryl hasn't stopped crying since. King Crumble took me by the hand. When we get married, you're going to get a big surprise. And half the surprise you're going to get... And he winked. And do you know what? I think he knew what I meant. And I understood there and then that he knew that love was love, no matter what form it took. And King Crumble and I are living happily ever after. The show was so popular that the Pantoland Broadcasting Corporation have decided to turn it into a series. Next year, Baron Hardup will be looking for a new mother for Cheryl and Beryl. And it's going to be called... Mamma G's Great Panto Damoff. That's right. I'm going to host it. I'm going to be the new Sandy Toxvig or Caroline Flack. Well, you see, we are all very similar. Because sometimes, to get what you dream of, you just have to be you. You know. You, you. True to you. No matter who you you is. And, um, well, that's what happens in Pantoland the rest of the year. I do have just the slightest confession about this week's Book of the Week, which is to say that I have not read it or even held a copy. But I do have a very good reason for recommending it. Now, a few years ago, well, last year when I was in Manchester doing my show, a family told me that they thought what I was doing was a political act. And I hadn't really thought about it this way, but they were very enthusiastic about it. So I'm going to go along with their assessment and perform a political act right now, which is to recommend this book, which is called Prince 
and Night. And it's by Daniel Hack. And the illustrations are by Stevie Lewis. And it sounds like a really rather fun book. It's a picture book. And it's about a prince who's told by his mum and dad that he needs to find someone to rule by his side. So basically, he needs to find a girlfriend. So he goes on an adventure to some nearby kingdoms, trying to meet lots of princesses that he could possibly fall in love with. But it doesn't go very well. And whilst he's away, his kingdom gets uh, attacked by a dragon. So he rushes back to defend his kingdom. And also rushing to his help is a mysterious knight. And they battle the dragon together. And when they've defeated the dragon, the knight takes off his helmet and turns out to be a rather handsome man. And the prince and the knight fall in love. And then later on they announce that they are truly in love. And the king and queen give them their full support. Because what they are most concerned about is their son being happy and having someone to live his life with. And this sounds like an absolutely beautiful book. Now, the reason I'm recommending it is because it was brought to my attention last week that a library in America has been asked to take this book off their shelves because of fears that it will indoctrinate children. Now, what I say to that is that traditionally, fairy tales and children's stories are about boys and girls falling in love with each other. And there's a whole swathe of people in the LGBT community across the world that obviously have not been indoctrinated that that is a way of living your life. But what they have done is they've grown up with the understanding that some relationships are male and female, not male and male or female and female or all the other varieties. So... If the LGBT community is not indoctrinated into believing that you, a prince should marry a princess, and I think it's very unlikely that someone who identifies as being straight or heterosexual is going to be indoctrinated into growing up to think that they should be gay because of a book they read when they were little. But hopefully they will grow up with the understanding that their gay friends and people within the LGBT community should be respected understood and loved just as well as they are. I think this book sounds fantastic. As far as I know, the library hasn't taken it off its shelves and there's been lots and lots and lots of support for the book and the library as there is lots and lots of wonderful support for the libraries and the venues that I visit and for me myself. And I think it's really important that we stand up for books like this and we stand up for stories like this because children do have a right you do, darlings, have a right to know that lots of people lead lots of different lives. So my book recommendation is Prince and Knight by Daniel Hack and Stevie Lewis. And it's available certainly on Amazon, but I'm sure it'll be available from your local bookshop as well, especially if you just ask. They can usually order it for you overnight sometimes. And the illustrations look like lots and lots of fun. So the political act here is telling you to go out and buy this book and support books that support LGBTQIA plus people and lifestyles and promote empathy and a positive understanding of the world we live in and the people who live in it. That's my party political message over. So that was my rather spectacular book of the week. 
But now, drum roll, please, because for a special panto time, Christmas time bonus, I'm going to interview the gorgeous, the fabulous, the one and only Leanne Jones. So here we are in the bowels of the Woodville Theatre in Gravesend, and I'm with my lovely friend, Leanne Jones. Uh, everyone say hello to Leanne. Hello, Leanne. And oh. Leanne, say hello to everyone. Hello, everybody. Oh, lovely. So, <laughs> Leanne, you are in the pantomime Beauty and the Beast, and who are you playing? I am playing Fairy Oolala. Fairy Oolala, and I can sense she's a French fairy, which is she rather is. fabulous. Are you having a wonderful time? I am. This is a beautiful, funny fairy to play and I've got an amazing costume which is mm. a bit different from normal. I haven't got a big flouncy dress. I've got like a really cool like, little jacket and uh, I'm wearing like purple Doc Martin boots. Yeah. And um, I mean lots of scenes. Lots of scenes. Yes. We get to be very funny. Yes. And we get to be in scenes together. Yeah. Which amazing. is marvellous. Uh, but this isn't your first time on stage is it Leanne? No. Uh, <laughs> tell us about some of the other shows you have been in in your career. Mm, well there was a very big show that I was in that was called Hairspray. Hairspray? Yes. Yeah. And who did you play in Hairspray? I played Tracy Turnblad. And, but you were a very special Tracy Turnblad weren't you? Mm, well I was the the first one in London? Is that what you mean? Yes. Yes, I was the first one in London. The yes. first ever Tracy Turnblad in the UK. It's yes. very exciting. Yeah. And Tracy really is like the ultimate character for like our generation about of being who you are mm. and loving who you want because she fights for lots of other people's rights and she fights for her own rights as well. So what was it like to play such an amazing character? Mm, it was very um, inspiring and I knew that she was, I knew she was very special mm. um, and I really did feel a big responsibility to make sure that I, I carried myself in the same way and that I had the same um, beliefs and I had lots of people, especially like young um, plus size girls like writing to me like just saying oh you're so amazing and one day I hope I get to be like you and and thank you for being true to yourself and like just really you know really lovely letters and like tweets and things well, that's amazing and did yeah. playing Tracy help you in any way yes I mean um it was like life-changing because mm. it's all I ever wanted to do and I landed the biggest role possible um, at age 22 so it was you know crazy roller coaster that happened to me um, and it's meant that I've been able to do so many cool things like I'm the girl from from Hairspray like the other day I met Ricky Lake <gasps> yeah. who is the original Tracy yes, Turnblad yes, which, from the original uh, movie yes which parents <clears throat> will know but if you're listening and you're five years old you'll have no idea oh yes I <laughs> lots of little people are listening but um, there's two movies of Hairspray so you could watch the first one, yes. which is not a musical, but still really fun. And then you could watch the second one, which is like a big, colourful uh, musical, isn't it? With all the Absolutely. Songs. And that came out around the same time that you did Hairspray in the That's West right, End. That's right, yeah. So when you were in Hairspray, it literally was the biggest musical Yeah, Yeah, because the movie had just come out, yeah. And Hairspray is like our equivalent of Grease, isn't it? It's yeah. now done all the time, and I just think that's amazing. And actually, lots of little children now know Hairspray. I think their yeah. mums have shown it to them, maybe, or... I don't know, but it surprises me how many children are like, oh yeah, I love Hairspray. Well, it's because it's fantastic. Mm. And I saw you in it and you were fantastic also. Oh, thanks, Mama G. My pleasure. So what did you want to be when you were little? What dreams did you have? When I was three, I told my parents I wanted to be a circus girl. Oh, 
<laughs> well, you're not very far away from that no, now. <laughs> this is quite theatrical, isn't it? Absolutely. And then they sort of planted the seed that maybe I should do something more sensible. So then for years I said I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. Which is an amazing um, occupation. And, like, obviously... I think doctors are like angels, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I wasn't clever enough. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't very good at science. And you do need to be very good at science Absolutely. to be a doctor. So, And how did you become a performer? I, I wanted, so maybe when I was about 11, 10 or 11, I then decided I wanted to be an actress. Um, because I saw the Les Miserables <gasps> 10th anniversary concert video. Now, for the children listening... <laughs> You won't be able to watch it on video, but you will be able to find it on Amazon Prime or... Yes, YouTube, I imagine. Oh, yeah, YouTube, yeah. yeah. Um, and it starred Michael Ball, who I then, like, went on to work with when I was an adult, so it was really, really strange. But, oh, amazing. Yeah, so I just, in my town, between the ages of, like, 11 and 18, really, um, did any drama, acting or singing that I could do. And music. Absolutely. Choirs. Singing lesson, dance lessons, drama club. So you found you had a passion yeah. and you worked at it. Yes. Because sometimes getting to do what you want and getting to love who you want takes determination. It does, Because yeah. sometimes yeah. people will tell you that you can't do that. Your parents might be worried about mm. the career you want to choose. Or sometimes people will just tell you you're not very good, but you have to work hard to show that you are good and you do deserve to have that career. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And now at the peak of your career, Leanne, you're in Beauty and the Beast at the Woodville in Gravesend. I am. With moi. Yeah. You lucky thing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, thank I you. I hope you all enjoyed listening to Leanne. Um, Leanne, how can people find you on social media? Um, yes, I'm on Twitter. Um, I am at Leanne, which is L-E-A-N-N-E underscore Jones. I'm on Instagram, but I use it a lot to post pictures of my children, so it's not very... It hasn't got a lot of hairspray stuff on there. No, but there is a rather fabulous picture of you as fairy ooh-la-la. Yeah. Quite so a sultry... I just can't think of my selfie. I think it's something like Leanne Jones underscore Insta. Yes. I want possibly. to say. I, I, I did look at your Insta Leanne unders- moments Or Leanne ago. Jones Insta... Und- no? Or underscore Leanne. I tell you mm. what. I tell you what I'll do, my darling, is yeah. I will check... Yeah, and I will add it to this. I'll add it to this podcast. (laughs) Okay, Uh, okay, everyone say goodbye, Leanne. And Leanne say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Ciao, or as Fairy Ula La would say, au revoir. Au revoir. Oh, isn't she lovely? And I think you are all lovely too. So thank you so much for joining me for this extra special, extra long story time with Nama G. And don't forget, if you'd like to keep up to date with what I'm doing and where I'm going, then you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at Nama G Stories and also on YouTube as well. And you can send me your comments, your reviews, your pictures, your book recommendations, film, show recommendations, anything you like uh, to info at petitepantos.com. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you all soon. Bye. It's story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama G.